0: I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What is up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. It is becoming increasingly more difficult to disagree with people without becoming contentious and hurtful and hateful. You see it on social media all the time. And today, I bring on a guest, Ash Beckham, and we talk about how we can better love ourselves and love other people even though we have differing opinions. This is going to be a thought-provoking conversation, so buckle up. But first, gotta pay the bills. All right, everybody, we are back. So I am so pumped today about our guest here. Um, Ash Beckham is an inclusion activist whose TED Talk coming out of your closet became a viral sensation. Her intrepid, relatable, intrinsically comical style has made her an in-demand speaker, including events at Microsoft, Bank of America, keynote for the first LGBTQ conference at Harvard. So I'm super psyched for this today. Welcome, welcome to the show, Ash.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So first off, how the heck are you doing? Where are you coming at us from? I'm good. Uh, I'm in my basement uh, turned office two years ago in uh, uh, outside of Boulder, Colorado in Longmont. Um, it's a quiet day in the house. Both kids are at school. My wife is traveling. So Love it. peace. Peace is Love here. Dog it. sleeping you're, behind me. You're All closer the than
0: I thought. I, I, for some reason, I didn't think you're in color i'm in utah so we're you know just around the corner
1: oh very good very good we're in utah uh, to-
0: i i'm at tooele uh, oh nice yeah yeah i'm a counselor over there for one of the high schools in the district oh that's awesome that's yeah. awesome and so i really love that you're in this space right now promoting empathy promoting self-love so how did you get in this space you know giving ted talks and you know giving people this kind of advice what's your story here
1: yeah, it wasn't really, you know, it's like the the path that you never really choose, right? I was a uh, um, like serial entrepreneur and was hustling from gig to gig and ch- trying to make that work, and and came back to Colorado for one of my kind of brief stops through, mm-hmm. and uh, went to this event that was called Ignite, which is um, you have five minutes exactly, the slides auto advance every fifteen seconds, so it's a super cool format. And there was this guy that spoke, um, and he spoke about his kind of ups and downs with um, weight loss and. Nobody in Boulder, Colorado talks about that. Men never talk about that. Right. But he he wasn't a professional speaker. He just like evoked this emotion, the crowd, you like kind of went on this roller coaster with him. It was so, he was so amazing. And I was like that. I want to, I want to make people feel like that. Like, I think that would be, that would be fun. So I dove in, did that, um, did my first Ignite talk. um, And I got some traction um, on, on social media and, and got some views and the, speaking community is is pretty close here and so then ted talks were kind of the next iteration of that and um they do a blind application process but you know topics were similar and i was kind of the only person talking about that at the time and so moved on to that and then and then that you know caught fire a bit too which which i feel super lucky about and then all of a sudden i had i had this career kind of fall my lap is what it felt like so i'm i'm grateful that's what i get to do for 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 part of my life i guess Right. Right.
0: And so I, I did watch your Ted talk on coming out of your closet and I loved it. For those who haven't heard it, you don't just mean coming out of the closet as a person that LGBTQ. LGTBQ. Um, tell us a little bit about that title um, coming out of your closet and the meaning behind that.
1: Well, I think so many times we, we see people with different human experiences and, and we you know kind of like rank ourselves in like you know, I've had it harder than that person or that person has it harder than me. Like there mm-hmm. isn't, we don't see each other for what it is or I've never experienced that. Therefore I can't relate, you know, like how can I, it, it almost disempowers people from allyship of, of people that they can't directly relate to where to me, the, we all know that feeling, right? Everybody, Everybody listening right now knows the feeling of, I'm about to tell somebody something that is new that they don't know about me, and that is about to either change our friendship, change our relationship, change their opinion of me, all, mm-hmm. all of these things, right? And we're afraid to say that because, because it that's scary, like that's mm-hmm. essentially what coming out is, right? And like we could have a conversation about ramifications are different and, and all the things, but at, at our base as humans, like we know what that feels like. And if you can get there, if you can meet me there, then I can tell you exactly what it was like for me. And so it was more not seeing ourselves as different, seeing that uniqueness, knowing it's important, but knowing those common human emotions and feelings are unifying. And and that's how we can really, really understand each other better and and stand up for each other more. I love
0: that. And especially because it's so hard for a lot of us to accept ourselves as we are. We're always, we're always trying to closet. So say different aspects of ourselves that we don't think the world is going to love instead of letting those aspects be the things that make us unique and beautiful. In your experience, why is empathy such an underrated skill right now and why it's so important?
1: Well, I think we don't want to see the, the humanity in others. We're like in such a divisive world that I think if, you know, if somebody affiliates with a political party or has a certain stance or, you know, whatever in it and something, you know, used to just be politics. Now it's something as simple as, vaccines and masks and things like that, right? That when we see somebody that thinks differently than we do, we think of them and we, we associate all these other things with them, right. right? The enemy, they don't agree with me. Exactly, and they must also think this, 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 right. this, like all the stereotyping that we don't want done to us, it almost becomes a defense mechanism to do mm-hmm. it to other people. And I think that's that's the thing about empathy is you don't have to agree with someone. You know, different than sympathy, it's, 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 you don't have to, they're not going to change your mind. Like if you're rooted enough in your beliefs that they're not going to change your mind, then there's really no risk in trying to understand somebody else's human experience. Like, I don't, Mm. I don't have to, maybe I wouldn't get to the same point, but I don't, I wouldn't really know unless I knew the backstory, because to me, everybody has a why, right? Like people don't just arbitrarily take positions that we assume are hateful or no. ignorant or all the things, right? Like they got there somehow is the way they were raised. It's the path that they've walked, like whatever it is. And if we can get to that, then we can really begin to understand them. And we have to kind of go in with this idea of like, I'm not gonna, I'm not coming in here to change. Your, I'm not going in this conversation to change your mind or to get you on my side or recruit you to the cause, right? What I'm trying to do is understand you better. And I am better as a human if I can understand you better. And, and to me, the root of that is empathy.
0: So why is it so easy for people who don't see eye to eye to just be brutally nasty to each other? Why is it so easy to be contentious when it is so much better to
1: understand? Right. Well, I think, I think it's a couple of things. I think, A, we don't want to take the time. You know mm, what I mean? We're lazy. Be exactly <laughs> lazy, and also just everything happens so quick. Like we we're making these snap judgments. We only have so much time to be social, so much time, so many choices of you know where we're going to go, what we're going to do with our families. Like we we only have time is a finite resource, and so we don't want to spend time in the hard work that is understanding somebody else better. I think that's the first one, and then the second one is a lot. You're inherently protecting something could be your family, could be your friends, could be yourself. Like, and that is a very carnal animalistic instinct, right? Mm. That, that need to protect and that um, kind of fight, flight, freeze behavior that we get in, that's like the first place our brains go. And it, it, you know, has kept us alive for millions of years. Like it's there, but one thing I heard a, a long time ago, I heard somebody say that I really loved was you're not responsible for your first thought. But you're responsible for your second thought and your first action mm. like there is a part of us that inherently categorizes people it's like how we get through the world whatever you think but then what do you think next right like how does your brain work and then what do you do and, and that to me is where we take that control back and, and if we can intercept it at that point then we can start to have those conversations and i just think you know we're in a lot of the same um we get in these echo chambers right of social media and friends and we're not hearing different perspectives. And again, mm-hmm. we don't want to take the time to to understand why somebody thinks that we just know that, like you said, that's the enemy. That's where, you know, that well, I'm going to put them in that box. How threatened do I feel by them? And how, how aware am I of that? And we just see people as, 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 as they're either a threat or they're on our side. And, and that's just like, isn't how the world works. And we wouldn't want to be perceived that way, but but we can't, that connection doesn't, we miss that connection, I feel like.
0: Right, like people are people, like we're all right. human beings and yeah. we can all, to a certain point, get along really well, even if right. we don't agree on every single thing. But it's just so easy. I mean, you mentioned social media. How do you think that's impacted humans and
1: <laughs> their ability to disagree? I know it's so hard, right? Like I can't. I wouldn't have a career without social media. So there's a selfish part of me that appreciates the viral nature of that, right? Um, I also think that a lot of times you it makes the world a smaller place you're a you know a a kid or, or somebody that feels alone and isolated. You can genuinely find community outside of your town county state whatever right there you realize there are people that are like you that exist. I feel like so often we had to wait to if we were lucky and privileged enough to go away to college or have the financial means to move, right? Like we didn't, and now that that happens, and I think that there is a goodness in that. I also think certainly there are some negative things, but again, there's no like I don't, I don't think it doesn't. You don't think as much on your own, right? You like we don't. We're not having independent thought because the ga- mm. the answers are at our fingertips, and yeah. and just because somebody's the first name that comes up in Google doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. It just means that they have a, you know, they've maximized their search engine optimization, right? Like, so we're not, we're not like vetting that, which I think is really hard when we have trusted sources, when we can have conversations, and we're not just like downloading information to regurgitate it. I think that's where we kind of, that's where we lose it. So I think social media certainly has its benefits, but I think we still need to be like independent thinking humans. But mm-hmm. I, I like I go back to, I mean, even what's going on now with all the anti-trans bills, which obviously is. Bothers me on a, on a visceral level, like the fact right. that people are pinning their political aspirations on demonizing the most marginalized of the people that can't even vote for you is criminal to me. But I think that the people that support it, not not politicians, because I think there's a, a there's an other motivation there. But I think parents, like they are trying to protect their kids, and if they're hearing that this is a threat to their children you get mama bear, papa bear, right? Like you get protective. And so the only way to get through that is to have a genuine conversation. Like what scares you about that? Do you not have, like, do you not, do we not have tools for you to have conversations about that with your kids? Like, where are we? I I think there, that's where we can really make change. But again, like nobody it's coming, it's coming from a good place uh, it's coming from an understandable place right. right of wanting to be protective and like I can get there and then we can talk and that doesn't mean I, I, it was actually a, a friend that was um, a friend of mine their son was trans in Utah actually and was going in to meet with the state senator when there was a, a bill a couple of years ago that was kind of going through and right. they were so nervous and they know, didn't know what to do and and they were with a, um, an activist that was pretty comfortable talking with politicians and so um, you know, the students, this 14-year-old trans guy who's, you know, scared to death. I mean, anybody at 14. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't want to oh, talk yeah. to my state senator at 14 oh, regardless, yeah. right? And this and the and this this lobbyist who was with them said, it's not your job to change hit the the congressman they're talking to was a male. It's not your job to change his opinion. It's your job to get him to doubt the certainty of his position ever so slightly, right? Like. There's no 15 second soundbite to to change somebody's mind on these huge issues, mm-hmm. but when you look at people who are, and you can see somebody as an us or even as a human rather than a them or a that, yeah, then like then we're getting somewhere, right? Like then yeah. there's traction, there's continuing conversation, right? It isn't this like you know we think of it as. I've got to say the right thing at the right time. And this is my one chance to do it. Like, that's just not how life works. No. Right?
0: And I mean, to what you said, I mean, it's like an echo chamber That social media. It only it, so often you only get paired up. You're with the people that agree with what you have to say. And so you're constantly surrounded by it. So when something comes in that's different, it is really easy to attack that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I am. I am a straight white Christian member of the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. It is very easy for me. If I open my mouth for people to assume you must be so bigoted and racist and different things. When it's like, yo, we're all humans in this earth right now. We want to love each other as much as we can. And it's hard when there's so much hate being spread otherwise. And I, I do agree with you. Social media can be a way for us to connect, but if we let it rule us, it, 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 just, it amplifies what's already there. And especially in kids, there's a lot of insecurity and fear. And that just, that comes out in some very nasty ways. And so, especially for those parents that are listening, how can we, how can we learn to love ourselves better, you know, come out of our own closets and accept and love ourselves. I mean, yes, we need to love other people, but how can we love ourselves despite all of our imperfections and our differences?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's it's such a brilliant question. And we we tell kids that, or we expect that of kids, but then as adults, we don't, right? <laughs> we're <laughs> like, so bad. <laughs> we're so bad, like the hypocrisy. And I it wasn't until I had kids that I kind of understood. That I understood the impact of that and and needing to do the work. So I think mm-hmm. that's a journey you can go on with your kid. You know, I have a, so a four year old and a one year old. The four year old thinks he is the greatest thing in the world. And he is. I mean, he's amazing. Right. But like, there'll be a point that something will click and it, it will shift. But, but how do I encourage that in him? How do I try to find those traits in myself that his appreciation for the art that he makes, or the whatever he does, right? Like that appreciation. I think it's we so often think of parenting as like this top down, in the same way that organizations, right? Like the flow, the flow is organizational flow is always down, but mm-hmm. I think we need to be open to that reciprocity of like learning to see the beauty in those in those kids, and and to see and talk them through when they see something different or something they're not used to. How do we celebrate? what that uniqueness brings, right? How do we Mm -hmm. see that person first as a human and then whatever the difference is? How do we practice that? And we can practice it with our kids. When we have kids that are older that are getting into body body image issues and Mm -hmm. and friendships and all of those things, how do we have an honest conversation with ourselves of of where we are with that and, and go through that journey with our kids and know that the pressures that they had, like some of those are timeless, but right. like you said, the amplification of social media is a whole different lens on all of that stuff. Right? Oh yeah, like It's a whole different deal. And we need to say, well, just, you know what I mean? Like we, we, if we don't want to dive into the hard topics I think we have to educate ourselves in, in ways to do that because it just is different. Like it just is, and we need to accept that and understand those unique challenges and support our kids through those challenges.
0: Yeah. I mean, how can we expect our kids to be loving of themselves and accept themselves when we're looking on Instagram? Becky's so much skinnier than me. Oh totally. my gosh. Like yeah. <laughs> Putting ourselves down, talking about ourselves negatively. We're teaching our kids how to treat
1: themselves by how we treat ourselves and how we treat them. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you couldn't be more right like that. We are that example. And they soak all of that stuff in right? I think, I mean, it's such a, it feels like it's so overused, but like how, when you think about how you talk to yourself, like, would you, your bar is always, you know, would you talk to someone you love that way? Would Mm -hmm. you talk to your best friend that way? And your, Mm -hmm. you know, kids, I feel like the pressure and all the things with kids make it a little bit complicated, but your best friend or your sibling, like you would never talk to them that way. So why is that how we speak to ourselves. And again, it's the bar. And I think it's the ability to disagree, be frustrated, all of the, like, we still exhibit the emotions. And also we do it in kindness because our kids aren't going to know that you can hold both things in that way. If we can't be that example for them, if we can, and when we screw up, which we inevitably will, how do we own that? Mm -hmm. And be, I mean, I had that conversation the other day. I was, you know, with Luke is our oldest. I was like, but I'm, I'm really sorry, like I lost my temper and I and I shouldn't have and I shouldn't have, you know, I, I asked you to do something and you didn't do it, but you, whatever the situation was, and you just have to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I was really frustrated and I always love you but that's not how we talk to each other in this house right like there you can't always get it right in the moment. Yeah. So you have to have grace for yourself with that, mm-hmm. right? And acknowledge that that's okay. But then at the same time, be able to go back and and not even you don't even have to make amends, right? You you just have to acknowledge when you wanted to be better and and working on it, right? Like I think that's I think that's just so so key for them to see the res the after effect the resolution, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So so, so parents, if if you were have kids that are struggling with loving themselves make sure they see you loving them and you loving yourself just as much as you want to see them love themselves um so this has been i i love talking about this stuff so much it's my nerdy stuff um it, for those that are listening that might be struggling coming out of their own closets whether it be literally having a hard time coming out i have kids coming i'm a high school counselor i have kids coming out to me All the time talking about, you know, I'm scared to talk to my parents or they're scared of for some other reason. What would you say to those kids that are struggling
1: to come out of their closet, whether figuratively or literally? Right. I would. I mean, a couple of things. Don't you're ready when you're ready. Don't Mm. anyone or anything pressure you like I, I would say from somebody who's out of the closet, that's a lot better out than in but you that would have been real tough to convince me of when i was in right so right. it's when you are are ready and so whether that's creating supportive social networks reaching out to your counselor like making sure that that you have people there when it happens and when you start to do it and some people you know post it on social media and that's it and other people are kind of one at a time it's 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 your closet So you come out how and when you want to just be mindful of what's keeping you in. And I think when, you know, obviously a lot of times that's what other people's opinions of it will be. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth just doing the practice of what if I'm wrong? Like, what if people surprise me? What if that worst case scenario isn't the scenario? Certainly preparing for that, right? Like if you could potentially get kicked out of your house, do you have somewhere to go if you do, but then also what if you don't, right? Like you have to at least explore the positive impacts of it as well. So I think that's the first one. I think the, and then the second thing is you you have to admit it to yourself. Mm, You know, you like say it in the mirror that, I mean, that was, I think harder than having to tell anyone was having, it was the realization I came to, to myself for sure. And then you're like, okay this is true. Like I'm, I tried this on and and it was hard to say, but I feel like that's, that's where I am. Or that's at least pursuing in some way of exploring what this might be like. Mm -hmm. And then I, so, so, you know, you come out to yourself and then you find the people that are safe. You find the, the friend, one friend, one parent of a friend, your own sibling. Like that was, you know, first person I told was my sister. Mm -hmm. Like, you and, it's some, and you and it doesn't, you know, I think blood family and chosen family are completely different, but like you, you just, you can tell one person at a time and, and that's where you can practice. And that's kind of your safe place to land when you kind of go in those concentric circles, right? Cause it's like your inner, you know, yourself at the center mm-hmm. and then your inner circle and it gets broader and broader and it's hard every time, but the number of people that know and support you really help to, to catch you on the times that it doesn't go that great, right? Mm-hmm. To be like, you're doing the right thing. And I think the other thing that we would want to do for kids is is find people that are like them, that identify yeah. like them, that look like them. Like that is one awesome thing about social media and almost the expanse in in what we see in media in general, right? In music, in TV, in movies, there are people that are different and, mm-hmm. and diversity exists. And so how do we find those people that are living authentically in a way that we would strive to and, and really try to look to and connect to, to them to, to know um, that it, it does, it gets beyond where you are, right. That kind of mm-hmm. could be what your end game looks like. So.
0: I love that. So for those of you who are listening that might be struggling to accept an aspect of yourself, whether it be coming out of the closet and saying the words, I am gay or whatever you identify as out loud to yourself or whatever that aspect is, admit it to yourself first and then build a community of people that will support you. Thank you so much, Ash, for being here today.
1: One last thing, what can people do to see what you are up to? Shameless plug time, let's hear it. Absolutely, well, uh, my website is ashbeckham.com and then on social, uh, it's ashbeckham on Facebook and uh, Twitter and then Instagram is the Ash Beckham. Um, and so, yeah, I'm there and love to love to chat and connect with people.
0: There you go. So all those will be in the podcast description. So you can go check her out, follow her for a little bit of motivation, inspiration, laughs and giggles and everything along the way. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, if you want to get me into your church, school or event, just make sure to go follow bullies, BulliesBE.com on Instagram. Shoot me a DM or an email. Um, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You are wonderful. You are worthy and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight second hug and we'll see you on the next one.